Welcome back to the Hot Box Heroes, and this is the Combat Corner. I got my boy with me, Bruno, in the building, and we're about to jump right into that card. So, yeah, um, Gamrot versus Perceive card. Um, I thought it was it was a pretty solid card. I mean, looking at it from beforehand, I thought maybe it might be a little lackluster, but I feel like it was pretty decent, you know. What did you think about I, it? I want to say that that card, from when I started watching it, from I, the third fight, I guess, of the prelims is when I started that card. And it was looking pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I had, I want to say, low hopes for this card. I had I had faith in really only the main event and the co-main event to be bangers. You feel me? Mm-hmm. I didn't, like, I knew the other fights were going to be exciting, but I didn't know to what, like, extent. But I would say from watching the overall card, I would say this is a card that was very uh, grappling dominant. Mm-hmm. Like most of the wins came off of who did better on that ground game to get back to the standoff. Mm-hmm. But I want to say this has some. This has been some of the best grappling I've seen in a while too. So um, it got me excited to see how well-rounded some of these new fighters are. Yeah. Yeah. Part of, just like you, I, I thought, you know, the first, the main two fights were, were going to be the co-main and the main. Mm. But there was a couple fights that I was interested in, like um, the Brian Battle fight. Um, Charles Jordan's always interesting. That was a nice fight. But it was more like I was just interested. Like I just want to see what what they've been up to. If they added any wrinkles to the game, Team Tim Means versus Andre Fiajo, that was gonna be an interesting one. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of it was alright. Let's get into the first fight. So right. um, so I'm gonna take the reins on the first two fights because you hopped in on the third fight, right? Yeah. Which, honestly, that's a smart idea. These fights <laughs> were kind of lackluster. Okay. First fight of the car of the card actually got me really mad. Well, uh, Tamir's Vidal versus Montserrat Rendon. Wait, hold on. Who who are our picks for that card? Um, for that fight or the entire? No, for that for that fight. For that fight, we had Tamir's Vidal, and we 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 lost that one. Damn. And I want to get into that. Um, what honestly, happened? this is one of the worst fights I've seen. In like. In my memory, recent memory, and for a long time, like actually a horrible fight. Wow, that's saying like, a lot. I'm not gonna lie. Coming from you, that's like how what they were. They were swinging. It's more than that. Like oh, okay. I was what happened? Like it's not like I had high expectations, but it's like you guys are in the UFC. You know, like you gotta be. It's just a bad look. It's a bad look for the sport. Okay. When we see fights like this, like... Was it humiliating? It was just horrible, boring, <laughs> low output, horrible. Uh, like, it, it just... It, like, you see high-level fights. You see people that, like, put their their lives into this, and they, they try and evolve and create new techniques. And, and then you see something like this, and it's just like, what the hell am I watching? Um, oh, both I, fighters? I, I'm going to, that's even the worst part. Both oh, fighters shit. look horrible, but here's the thing. I'm going to give Montserrat Rendon. I think she actually took it serious. I just don't think she's that good. Okay. 
Tamir's the doll look like she doesn't even try. She looks horrible. <laughs> she looks she looks like honestly, she could drop weight too. Like she looks like she's a little pudgy for the division too. Like she I, I don't know how this girl got in here even, honestly. Because I watching her first fight in the UFC, she got a win by okay. um basically like a TKO, but Watching that fight, she was pretty, like, low volume, too. But I thought maybe she was just nervous for her first fight. Da-da-da. Nah. After watching this fight, she is terrible. Like, disturbingly bad. All she was throwing was one one shot at a time. She wasn't setting anything up. She was just throwing mm. right hands. She was getting stung by these... Rendon does not have power behind her. Like, she does not have some type of knockout power or nothing. She was getting stung up by simple one twos um all she had to her was uh leg kicks that's the only thing she landed effectively wow and um they weren't nothing crazy they were like inside leg kicks uh every now and then she landed like 30 in the whole fight mm. and um and then towards the end of the round rendon would just get her to the cage and take her down or hold her there vidal looked like she was trying to recover her stamina between every strike and i'm telling you she was throwing one strike at a time she would throw one right hand and then take a couple of moments before doing it again. It was pathetic. <laughs> um, she had no urgency whatsoever. And, um, yeah, Randon, I don't think she's very good, but uh, at least she was trying, you know? Okay. I mean, hopefully uh, she adapts and evolves because you can't be in the UFC and hope to attain something being at a low level and being stagnant at that level. Well, really, you can't be stagnant in anything. If that's that's the really the lesson of the day, do not be stagnant. Yeah, but I think she's thirty two or thirty four. She's just getting to the UFC and she's still fighting this way. I, I, I'm just sometimes I'm very confused as to how some of these guys even and girls get into the UFC. I think the um, filter process for their regional scene has to be better because this is just come on. <laughs> Yo, Dana, um, drop him. Yeah, and the way Rendon, the funniest part of the about this fight is Montessori Rendon. She um tries to like walk you down, okay. but she's kind of like she does like a boxing stance and she just t- does like a two step. Every <laughs> like she's just coming towards you, one two, one two. Now I'm not talking about push strikes. I'm talking about her feet. Like you know Alex Pereira's walkout, like yeah. how he marches out and he does the little arrow thing. Yeah. Imagine someone coming towards you the entire fight just like that. And she's just doing that the entire fight. She just one two, one two. And Vidal, that's an easy win for her. She could have just timed that and just landed a leg kick every single time. But no, fuck to Rendon. At least you're trying. You're trash, but at least you're trying. Vidal, fuck you. And I mean it. Like, yeah, I horrible, agree. Horrible I back man. it up a hundred percent. Do not be coming here and be mediocre. We do not want to see it. As I said, Dana, yeah. drop him. But on to yeah. that second fight, that's Mizuki versus Hannah Goldie. Yeah, I was kind of interested for this one because uh, Mizuki hasn't fought in three years. Oh, that's and a layoff. Yeah, when due we to watched injury, I think yeah, I think it was due to injuries, something like that. Mm. But three years is a crazy injury. Like, what what kind of injuries were they? Yeah, that had to be intense. Um, I was interested because when I was watching her tape beforehand, she looked um, she just looked like a scrapper. You know, it's fun and um. Mm. It wasn't a crazy matchup or anything, so I didn't expect a lot, but I thought Mizuki might be able to get a finish or something. Mm. But it was kind of boring. Won. She won, but it was it was just a kind of boring fight. Um, 
she looked a little hesitant on the feet. Uh, from that's a layoff time. Yeah, yeah, I think it might have just been ring rust because in her two fights that we had seen before, she even when she was losing the fight against um, what's her name, Amanda Lemos, she was mm-hmm. she was trying to crack her the whole time. She was trying to get in there. So um, yeah, I think maybe she just needs some time to get a little more confident. And she just made the certain rounds a little bit closer than they should have been, in my opinion. Okay. Like I was a little nervous for the pick, um, watching the fight. But she got the job done in a decision. Um, it was just all right. I was just happy we we got the pick right. And um, hey, hey, yeah, that's it. You know, like I tuned in when I saw Mizuki get her hand raised. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really see the you know the before, but. I'm just proud that Japan came in and they got the dough. Yeah, hoping to see her in there soon again and maybe um, see her a little less hesitant. But she really has a problem with how small she is. Like, Hannah Goldie is not one of the taller girls in the division, and she was still bigger than her. I oh, think wow. that's a real uh, real problem for her uh, going forward in terms of closing the range. This is Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right, next, on to the next. Muhammad Usman versus Jake Collier. Mm-hmm. Now, I believe we both said Usman was taking this dope. Yeah. Now, I'm kind of surprised that this went three rounds. I thought Collier would have been put out in maybe like round two. Um, But I guess his conditioning was better than we thought because I was shitting on his conditioning. Collier's? Yeah. Yeah, when I was looking at the beginning of the fight, honestly, Collier looked a, a, in a bit of better shape. I know that's hard yeah. to say because, you know, he still looked like shit, but he looked he looks a lot better. Like, I, I can, um you know, uh I could applaud that. Yeah. But um you've been in the UC for a long time. It's a little too late now. A little too little too late. You know, like. I agree. You could make a crazy transformation. I feel like uh maybe he started taking it a bit more serious now. But you had your whole career for that. Um, <laughs> and you know he was looking he was looking kind of good like uh, the eye poke and uh, and Usman was really cutting him with his shots you know he started bleeding real quick okay. but Kali was landing some good solid shots on Usman but he wasn't too phased like Usman um, is usually in a good position or whatever even when he gets stung it's not like full power on the chin um, but yeah, I mean Usman, it was a it was a little contentious in the beginning for me, like, but then Usman okay. just started taking over the rounds a little bit. And um Collier, I feel like he might have been a little uh too preoccupied with the cuts on him uh yeah. to be like his 100% self. But honestly, Usman kind of uh I mean, we've been talking about heavyweights for a while now about what we think the next evolution of them is and you know, um, if the fat heavyweight is, like, in the rearview mirror. And yeah. I was thinking, like, you know, Usman, like, the former football player can be the new the new fat heavyweight, you know? And he's kind of proving me right here because he made this fight a lot closer than uh, I think it should have been. Like, I think, like, especially with his brother and stuff like that, he this was kind of like a, a nice layup. Like, just with the name, you would have been – able to go further like the top heavyweights finished jake collier you know um he made this a bit too close honestly and uh yeah if any of these fat heavyweights want to like have a little bit of hope for them you know watch this fight and get a little bit better 
and you could stop some of these athletes. You know, we got Justin uh, Toff was a big guy too, but he's but he, he has a, a lot of skill. He has a lot of skill. He's a brawler, you know. But for the obese uh, heavyweights, you know, there's still a chance now because I thought that Usman was gonna smoke this guy, and he he really still didn't, you know. Yeah, you know that's the that's the game before me, and it's crazy to see how the evolution of just the the fat heavy guy coming to the UFC turning into just fat athletes, post athletes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, again, the game is all about one KO is all you need. You feel me? Mm-hmm. So let's just see what happens. But I'm here for the evolution of seeing these light heavyweights and heavyweights come in their prime. You know, Bill Aki and just trying to, you know, catch a fade. Mm. Let's see. What was the next? Next fight, fight was uh, Jacob Malcoon versus Cody Brundage. Mm. Okay, so. I think we both won that again. No, no, no. I mean, we should have won, but... um. <sighs> What's his name? Uh, the fight got uh, stopped because uh, disqualified. Yeah, Jacob Malcolm landed a, a elbow to the back of the head, and it like, wasn't a it wasn't a one time occurrence either. Like, it's a shame. It's a shame because Jacob Malcolm was really working Cody Brundage. You know, as usual, like we said, um, Brundage was looking defeated already, like halfway into the round. Um, he got he got that first takedown, got reversed. And uh, every time they would, he would get an advantageous position, he would just get reversed, then he got put to the fence. And uh, Malcoon was just doing his regular thing, you know. He had him, I think, half guard with his, with, with his back up to the fence. Hmm. He was landing strikes. That wasn't the first strike to the back of the head, though. So, honestly, um, as much as I wanted the pick to be right, and it was, and it should have been, uh, Jacob Malcoon, you got to really hone in your weapons, you know. Um, I feel like recently with the UFC, they've been really letting a lot of things slide, like uh, oh. fence grabs, eye pokes, back of the every back of the head shots are always allowed. If it's like a finishing sequence, they don't, the refs don't give a fuck if you hit the back of the head. Um, <laughs> Yo, um, you know? the two things I want to note on that is definitely I've been seeing a lot of more things slide in the ring. <laughs> mm-hmm. From fence grabs to legal shots. And on this card, we've seen a ref that really just didn't care. And then we saw a ref that also let a lot of fence grabs just slip. I don't know why they let that rock. Yeah, it's hard because it's like you're not... I guess it's not immediate damage or anything, but that could really... It's like the rules have to be enforced. And I feel like the refs have really been letting these things get away from them. Yeah, they've been um, picking and choosing. Yeah, you gotta you gotta punish it the same every time. Like, I understand eye pokes. I mean, actually, the gloves nah, have to change, or okay. the way you hold your hand. If there, there are accidental eye pokes. I understand people human reactions and stuff like that, but there are certain fighters that have abused that for a long time. And uh, listen, two eye pokes point automatically if they're if there's if you've told them multiple times don't have your fingers out and they i poke a hundred percent point right away it doesn't have to be a stern warning if you're a ref and you you told the fighter don't have your fingers outstretched and somebody gets i poke take the point you don't need to do it two times you know the fence grabs i think fence grabs are the next thing like they really need to get on that like uh 
Yeah, immediately. Because in that, I want to say it was the bout between Ricardo Ramos versus Charles Jordan. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Ricardo Ramos was using his toes and his fingers to hold on to the fence. A few fighters this fight during the grappling matches. I've been seeing it a, a lot in a, a good couple cards now. Um, we saw it. Yeah, but you can't, like, as you said, you can't just pick and choose when to enforce it. You know, yeah. simple things as a, a fence grab with your toes or your hand. Um, it could sway the, the fight at a given notice, you feel me? Yeah. So these are very crucial things that you'll see. You got to take more precaution looking into because I'm, I'm just trying to see a nice fight, a nice brawl. Yeah. I know fights are not nice, but like, let us just see it properly situated again. Yeah. I mean, what Cody Brundage did with the, with the, I think he went, he was acting a lot during that, um, when the ref was giving him his time and stuff, I don't think he was that hurt. We will okay. never know. Yeah. Uh, I think he just wanted to win. So, um, you know, I think that's what he wanted. But honest, and, and Jacob Malkoon, he could be a real, I mean, he gets hit a lot, but he, in terms of like a strong wrestling base with crazy cardio in the middleweight division, that could be really fun. So it's it's disappointing and sad, but Jacob Malkoon, you you gotta. I know you're in a fight, but you gotta rein it in. Yeah, for that, sure. That elbow was blatant, and it wasn't the first strike he threw to the back of the head. Like you gotta, come on, bro. You have you're in an advantageous position. It's not that hard to hit him in the face. Why are you, why are <laughs> yeah. you risking that anyways? Like, yeah. So I mean, you could be mad at it, but you gotta follow the rules, and that, and that's what it is. It's for the safety of the fighters. It's for the safety of the sport. You know, that back of the head shots are very, very impactful. Oh, they're very detrimental, bro. Yeah. You could you could really mess up someone's life if you get a really pinpoint strike. Yeah, so um but on to on someone wanting a KO, wanting a finish, perfect segue into Tim Means versus Andre Fihal. Yeah. Tim Means wanted that knockout. And he came after it, he went and got it which I respected. And we took that dub on Tim Means winning that fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had a vet performance. Like, he's yeah. not done. At four, at damn near four years old, bro, he is still in there. It's not even like, it's not like uh, some of these aging veterans, like they change their game to a crazy extent and they <laughs> yeah. kind of avoid the fight. Like, um, I'm, I'm not blaming them or anything. I understand why, you know, uh, but... Tim Means is in there scrap too. Like he's not just running from the fight. Like he's in there. He's in the pocket. He has great combo, great combos, and he he did a really good job. Like I could tell he he really watches the tape. You know, yeah, his camp works. Ever since Fialho um, started getting on his uh, losing streak, he's been a little bit more timid before starting the engagements. Like it's a it's a real drop off from when he's on defense and when he's on offense. You could really tell. Yeah, Tim Means did a really good job of drawing out the counters um, from Fialho. Like, he would really stand there and really, like, bait himself to such an extent that Fialho really wanted to come out there, and he would just land the counter on every time he would try to strike. If he was ever in trouble, the clinch work was great. I mean, the clinch work won him the fight. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then the the wrestling in, in very good moments, too. Just great. Just really smart. And... um yeah, and I wanna I wanna shout myself out here. 
I don't know. I feel like people aren't catching on to this. The finishing sequence, <laughs> that shit started with that southpaw high kick, bro. Like, so, the yeah. thing that originally got him to the fence, that originally got him a little bit rocked, was that high kick. I know Listen. he ended it with the clinch, but the high kick started that. Yeah. You know, all intro to sequences, all intros to KO sequences are fire. Um, Tim Means definitely put on a performance, and it won him, uh, I think it won him fight of the night, too. It should. So, you know, shout out to winning that, man. You deserved it. Hopefully, your next fight is just as awesome, and we're down to see that go on. Mm-hmm. He still has that winning ambition inside of him, which, as we've seen in this card, some fighters don't. Ooh. You heard that? Yeah. Yeah, my fault, boys. I got a storm happening around here. I'm crying. All, All right, right, so on to the net. Um, Dan Argetta versus Miles Johns. <laughs> Wasn't this another grappling exchange as well? It was, and you, you picked it right. Um, yeah. You yeah, know. I want to give you that. Yeah, yeah, you definitely picked that fight right, yeah. Um, Tim Means, he... Oh, wait, no, fuck. No, uh, Miles Jones, Miles Jones, he really, um, he came with a different game plan. Like, he, at, at, at the end for his um, winning speech or whatever, he, he described, like, he's been going through a lot of injuries and whatnot yeah. beforehand. And, um... I'm I'm it's giving me a little bit of reason to really believe that because he um the game plan was was different you know like I, I had m- mentioned that he always uses his wrestling as a like a last option yeah he really managed his wrestling and striking really well um like and his he, cardio throughout the whole round yeah 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 for real he he run one rounds with like just solid defense um takedown defense as well and mm-hmm. just advantageous striking here and there. And after a while, Dan Argetta just got frustrated. Yeah, he, he didn't just, know how to handle it. Yeah, he was forcing the wrestling, like, very unstrategically. You know, it was cool to see him just trying to walk him down or whatever, but he was getting pieced up. <laughs> um, and, yeah. yeah, Miles Johns really won himself some rounds by starting the wrestling, tiring him out a little bit, and then going into the striking. Very impressive. Um, he really proved me wrong. I'm going to try not to doubt him on the next one. Yeah, now same. You know, it was a beautiful performance. The grappling sequences they had were just astonishing. From trying to move from defense to offense, um, he kept applying that pressure on Dan Arguello. Mm-hmm. I believe he had him like on a backpack. He tried to, you know, when you go on somebody else's back and you just try to weigh them down. Dan Arguello got it right. I think I forgot which one, but yeah, I the- saw the backpack go on. Dan Argetta only had, like, successful wrestling for a portion of the first round, I believe. And after that, it was really just trying to take him down a- along the cage, but Miles Johns would just get out of the situation. And his stuffing technique was crazy. Yeah, good. You know, it was nice nice to see a uh, strategic and talented uh, fighter still. Mm-hmm. Now on to the main event card. We got uh, Ricardo Ramos versus Charles Jordan. Yeah. Oh, shout out to you again, bro. I Charles don't know how Jordan. you do this, but you you call this submission. You call this submission, bro. What do you got to say about it? I forgot I did that. Um, but yeah, you know, again, it's not. This is just 
This is just what it is when you tune into the Hotbox Heroes. Come get your picks correct with us. But, yeah, I just had a feeling. That's that's really how I went off the basis of it. And I was happy to see it. Also, like, this was another great grappling exchange. Because I think I tried to see him go for Kimura a couple times. Um, which was the submission that he used? I think it was a guillotine, simple guillotine. Oh, yes. It was the guillotine. I took down notes on this, actually. Just... So it was the beautiful grappling movement that was really the highlight for Charles Jardine. Mm. And his setups from just, I want to say from going from, because in some of the takedowns, he ended up on the bottom, but he was able to reverse it, come into mount, put a little nice uh, body triangle on, you know, different ways of applying pressure. Like you could see while he was grappling, like he thought it out in his head. And he was just performing the sequence. Really, and I looked, thought I was a little nervous, honestly. When oh when, nah, I had faith. When Ramos got that first takedown, um, it just had Ramos really... had some heat. He he did. I think Ramos came in crazier than I thought he would have came in. And I, I think just... Charles Jordan was shocked with that a little bit. I yeah, I thought Jordan was like. What worried me was that Jordan was super willing to just keep trying the guillotine. Yeah. Which, honestly, usually when you see that, it's not a good sign. It usually means, like, oh, I'm content off my back. And that's really how you could lose a round. Um, and knowing that Ramos is more of a jiu-jitsu guy, I just thought it was a little bit worrying. But mm. As we've seen this a couple times now, Charles Jordan has a sick guillotine. He he has a – I believe he has a one-arm guillotine um, win. Like, he set it up completely with one arm. And then at the very end, he locked his hands. But the way he was able to just hold the guillotine at first with just one arm was really impressive. Yeah. And good for Charles Jardine because he got a, a win that's a, usually a lot easier than um, he usually – like, he usually makes it a battle, especially his last couple fights. So, good thing that he got a quick one. So, you know, we could see him in there again soon. Yeah, man. I was really hype watching this. It was a really beautiful fight. Um. From ground game to stand up, you know, usually when I see grappling exchanges go on in the UFC, normally, well, not normally, because I want to say in the past few cards now, it has been beautiful sequences. But before, you know, it's either you're on the ground and you're just trying to tire the other person out on the ground. But here you saw the activeness, you know, again, by triangle sequences, the guillotine sequence was insane. And he never, like, you know, holding a choke for a long amount of time, it's very tiresome, you know? Uh-huh. And he, he held on. He he didn't stop. So you got to give props to the man for just keep trying. Mm-hmm. Now on to the next that you called, Brian Battle versus AJ Fletcher. Yeah. Honestly, you know, I thought it was going to be a lot easier for Brian Battle. I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't a crazy fight in, in any way, but... um. It looked like a little kid fighting a big kid. <laughs> For real. Like, I mean, we, we highlighted this, you know, the 10-inch reach advantage and just being way taller. Like, AJ Fletcher just looks small for the division, and Brian Battle is big for the division. So it was just not a good combo, you know? But AJ Fletcher did his thing in the first round. Um, he got some power in his hands. I'll say that. Yeah, I think Brian Battle was... Uh, I'm not, not taking any away from AJ Fletcher at a good game plan. But Brian Battle was a little bit too composed. Like, everybody was, like, they were praising him in the commentary. Like, oh, 
He's so calm. Bro, he was... He, he was won. getting peaced a little bit. Yeah, like, he was doing great work with the legs, you know. Um, yeah, you got to keep him at bay with the legs. With all the, 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 the teeth and everything, he was really working AJ Fletcher's body. But the front kicks were going crazy too. Yeah, but the, the thing is, like his defense on up top was not good enough with that offense. Like it was mm. very slow and stagnant. And then on top of that, whenever AJ Fletcher wanted to, you know, get in range, like he yeah. did in the at the end of the round, it, he just did it because Brian Battle was throwing no hands with that. So AJ Fletcher honestly won the round with the clinch work. Uh, I mean, with the inside work, and then at the end he lands that elbow that dropped him. So he won him the round. Yeah, he definitely won round one, and he, I wouldn't say he was winning round two, but wait, round two is where we saw Brian Battle's adjustment. But even still, like his offense with the hands weren't there, and if he was doing offense with the hands. He probably would have KO Brian Battle. Yeah. Because Brian, I mean, not Brian Battle, AJ Fletcher, my fault. Mm-hmm. Oh, Fletcher was doing beautiful inside work. I dare say he had to do a little more inside work. Like, because if he kept tight. a little pressure inside and really just kept pushing, he probably could have, I want to say, knocked out Brian Battle. I think the issue arose when he tried to, he tried to uh, force a takedown by the fence. Mm-hmm. And that just set Brian Battle into like that uh, cage wrestling clinch game, and he landed like he was nasty with it, bro. The amount of uh, knees he landed on like that right side nasty. of AJ Fletcher, was you crazy. you saw AJ Fletcher's body turn different color, bro. Yeah, that was fire. And then yeah, that just kind of all resulted into I think it was a submission, right? Yeah, it was submission. Yeah, so he just kind of destroyed AJ's body and then managed to take him down, take the back, and it was a real naked, right? Yeah, it was a rare naked because Jordan had the, the guillotine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And AJ Fletcher, I mean, just having that frame on top of you when you're probably, realistically, he's probably like 5'8". You have yeah. a guy that's at least 6'2 on top of you, used to be a middleweight, has your back. It's just, just going to flatten you out either way. So, yeah, I mean, Brian Battle, honestly, this makes me a little bit more nervous for his next couple fights. I hope that he gets the hands to the same uh, level as his feet or at least gets the defense better because if AJ Fletcher with those T-Rex arms is able to land that elbow in the in the inside you're going to be in for some some hard lessons you know anybody yeah definitely a loss in the upcoming future if you don't finish off your hands bro and I'm not trying to say that in a mean way I'm just trying to say that as a, as a, as a fighter in the UFC like, I know your skill set may be leg work and grappling, but if you're letting a little kid come in here and try to rough you up, you know, what are you setting yourself up for? Yeah, no respect, no disrespect to AJ Fletcher. He's just really small for the division, and you let him get inside with a 10-inch reach advantage and land that shit. There are guys that are more powerful at welterweight and a little bit better for the division, you know? What's yeah. the... It's really just constructive criticism. Like, yeah. I dare say AJ Fletcher, like... How come he doesn't, like, drop a, a weight class? I know I he's Aki here, but, like... Maybe just too much on him. I don't know how much weight he cuts, but he looks pretty stocky, you know? But, um, yeah, I think lightweight would be a, a much better division for him. Yeah, he definitely has power. I don't see that going a bad way, but... Yo, maybe AJ Fletcher, look at that, bro. Like, no disrespect, but... If these welterweights are coming, like, Brian Battle and better... Ugh. 
it's going to be a tough division for you, my boy. Yeah, maybe that's what this fight was. Maybe the UFC was just hinting at it, like, bro, this is what we could throw at you, you know? Like, maybe you should go down. All right, all right. Enough, enough with the mockery. <laughs> um, Let's go on to Marina Rodriguez versus Michelle Waterson Gomez. Mm. <laughs> now, this fight had me weak from the beginning. Yo. <laughs> like, as soon as we said start... Actually, let me refer, let me rewind. From the time they put up her little intro card um, where Michelle Waterson was like, yeah, I think I finally, finally learned how to put it all together and I'm coming from the dog. That's the last five fights. <laughs> and, I like, once once I heard her say that, I, I immediately started laughing. And I, I wish for the best. I know I put Michelle Waterson to win that. Uh, that was just... You feel me? That was a very biased uh, bet. But I went with a more realistic betting. And I put Marina Rodriguez for a KO. Oh, you can't do that to the fans, bro. That's fucked I'm sorry. That's I'm fucked. sorry. But, like, FanDuel was sponsored the kids. I put in that play, and the play executed. Boy, Michelle Waterson, bro. Hold on. I want to say something to the fans real quick. Okay. Anik might betray you like this, but... I know I was a little biased too with the Polish fighters, but if I know there's not a single chance, I will never do you guys like that. Stick with the picks, bro. I'm giving you my honest opinion here. And Nick, okay. I don't know, I don't know what he's been up to, y'all. I don't know what he's been up to, but okay, go ahead. All right, so Waterson, we all know her game plan is to come in swinging some kicks. Now, the only thing I would say that I seen was where Michelle Waterson threw like. A couple of kicks and it really like shook uh, Marina Rodriguez front leg off balance. What I don't understand about Michelle Waterson as a fighter or why her camp is not helping her in any type of way is your your leg work is is beautiful, it's phenomenal. But why don't you just apply, keep like just keep kicking the leg and just throwing some hands? I think she's just very scared of getting into a hand altercation. Um, for me, yeah, I think she's got into a lot of wars, honestly, a lot of beatdowns in her career, you know, and um, insane beatdowns like this card, bro. I was so mad that the ref wasn't trying to stop the fight in round one, yeah, that was weird, yeah, they, they, it wasn't a bit of a late stoppage, honestly, because they could have finished it, especially seeing like how they treat the girls with that damage that she had her face and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly. This is how it goes, man. This is how retirement goes in this game. You know, you get... I don't know why she didn't yeah. retire right there, too. Yeah, That's another she question. Should've. She probably should have. Because you can't come back from another fight. I'm not going to lie. If, if she if she's on the card, on any card again, I know she's taking that loss. She's kind of bugging anyways. She shouldn't have expected, accepted a, a Apex fight. She should have tried to... Gotten decimated in another area. Like, get into a full... Because, <laughs> you know... We're we're hard. We're cold right now. We're being cold towards her. But in our arena of MMA fans, she's going to get love even if she got beat down, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, this is a great sport for... It's not a great sport for the retiree in terms of in the cage. But outside of the cage, as in the fans, we give them love when when they're retired. Don't matter what happened in that fight. We're going to give you love, you know? Exactly. It's a sad moment to see them go. So, I mean, in this case, I think it's going to be a happy moment because I'm actually kind of happy that it was a pure beatdown. I'm happy that Michelle Watterson 
she didn't have nothing going for her in that fight because I'm happy she doesn't have any. I hope she doesn't have any more illusions in her head that she can keep going. You know, at least at this yeah. level. I'm oh, sure there's a, you know? somewhere else she could do this, but but UFC, bro, these girls, nah. No, nah, I don't think there's really not with the new um the new fighting organizations coming up. I don't think like she could make it anywhere right now. Yeah. Um, but not to take all the attentions away from uh Marina Rodriguez though. She did a good job. She was teeing off. I know she's happy right now. The clinch work was beautiful. I think Marina Rodriguez ne- really needs to get her confidence up a little more and just throw more. And throw more knees. On a bit of, yeah, because she's been on a little bit of a skid too, but she's pretty tall for the division. And we could see from that that clinch work, she's solid in there, you know. Just just do that. Just do more oh, of that. Elbows. Some crazy elbows. She also landed some nasty elbows. Yeah, sick elbow. Um, but what had to be like, I want to say shook and just excited at the same time was when she got that her first clinches on Michelle Watterson and you know, threw a nice little sneaky elbow and then followed up with a high knee. Mm-hmm. And Michelle Watterson, oh my God, the worst, the worst length to be at. Like she was right at the end of every strike. Her head was right there, bro. It was so like, oh my God, so unfortunate. Like I remember seeing her on the fence, just hand stretched out, like oh, trying to recover. And the ref is just looking at this. Like I honestly think the ref was just excited to see how far this could go. I think he just he must have put money on the fight. He must have put money on the fight. <laughs> Uh, like what I was so scared about is I put I put the bet for the KO and I saw the ref was landing go to the second round so I was like Marina probably just gonna go ahead take it to the ground choke her out oh man but Marina's decision to keep this standing and just tee off was was a beautiful decision her highlight reel is gonna be explosive from now on hopefully um but yeah Michelle Waterson you know we gave you your flowers. I think it's the best to retire, start a camp or something like that. I don't know, social media, but... Yeah, she's good. I think she's set, you know? I know there's love for the game. Maybe try some coaching. Maybe try and bring up some of these new girls coming up, really help them out with something, you know? Um, You could still be around the game and not be taking this much damage, you know? Yeah, Dana, at least put her to... um, What's that position that Michael announcers... Commentary, at least, yeah, commentary. Yeah, put her for uh, the woman's commentary at least. Yeah, she could. I think she could have that too. Yeah, for I mean, sure. that would be great, great for her and the woman's division. But now to Bryce Mitchell versus Dan Eek. Okay, bro. Okay, bro. I got some stuff to say here. <laughs> okay. So let's just jump into the Bible real quick. When I saw my son, like, is the, I, my question is, is where is, like, this man's head at? Where's Bryce Mitchell's, like, head at? Like, what background, do, what is his upbringing, you feel me? I think that he might have mild schizophrenia. I really think I, that he's getting I it. think there's something going on mentally. But I respect why he brought out the Bible for what he was talking about. But I think that was, a. Uh, uh, not a not a scary scene, but that was just like what like what is going on? You feel me? I'm a hundred percent behind anybody's belief systems as long as they don't affect anybody else. You know? Yeah, for and, sure. Uh, 
I've been I've been watching Bryce Mitchell since his come up, you know, and and I remember watching some interviews and stuff when he first came around. Yeah, he was a much different person. So I really do think that, like, he had some of the same ideas, but uh, I, this side, this wrinkle to him, has been getting progressively and progressively uh, more insane in a way. Like, yeah, since the pandemic, it's just been getting worse and worse. I agree. Um, Still, I still fuck with Bryce Mitchell and whatnot, but uh, no, nah, beautiful fighter. You, I put our picks were for him, and he did that. You hold on, you you put money on Bryce Mitchell. Yeah. Nah, you're really doing our. Why? Is Wait, let me see. Respect. Let your me picks, see if bro? I did that. Let me see if I did that. Hold on, hold on. Uh, I could be just making this up. Let me go to FanDuel. FanDuel sponsored the kids. You told us you picked Dan Ige, bro. Hold on, I'm about to see right now. About to see right now. Settle. Yeah, bro. I'll put money on Bryce Bryce Mitchell, bro. <laughs> you're you're a piece of shit, bro. You're a piece <laughs> of shit, y'all. Y'all stick with me, bro. I'm gonna get I'm gonna keep it real. I'm gonna keep it's it okay. real. It's okay. It's okay. Don't worry. Next card I'm putting in the picks just as I said then. But low key and though, Danny Gay had a good shot in this in this fight. Honestly, I thought he had you know, Bryce Mitchell again. This was a grappling card. And Bryce Mitchell came in with I, I won't say the superior wrestling, but, like, at the end of the day, he used it and got a win, you feel me? Mm-hmm. But with the hands, just strictly hands, Dan Ige was starting to piece him up, and we saw that. Yeah, and he had pretty we, solid takedown defense in the beginning, too. Yeah, but Bryce Mitchell, I think it was more so, like, how long can he wear him out, you feel me? Yeah. But, I, I, yeah. You know, I thought Bryce Mitchell, like, I, I won't say he wasn't as composed in this fight, but, like, I don't know, for some reason, I felt like something was a little more off with his game. Maybe it was due to getting rocked by Dan Egan. Maybe that kind of shook up everything for him. I mean, his eye was fucked. Oh, bro. yeah, that was nasty, bro. Yeah, I don't know. I could have seen a world where they stopped the fight, honestly. It I'm was pretty really sure. I'm pretty sure, like, that eye was closed. Yeah, I didn't see where it was even o- where it could have been open. Honestly, the way it was swelling up, but I'm happy they didn't stop it. Um, and it just got worse and worse, bro. Yeah, and, and like I said in the build up to the fight, bro, like uh, Bryce Mitchell being his like star power. Yeah. Uh, like if it wasn't for that, I don't think he would have been rewarded for his takedowns with no damage as much as he does now. Like one and two were. Rounds one and two were pretty competitive. Like, I will give one, two. It was back and forth. One Round for one, sure, Dan Ige. Dan Ige. Two, it could have went Dan Ige too, because even when Bryce Mitchell got the takedown, I understand he had him down for, like, around two minutes. He didn't do much with it. He really didn't wait. do much with it. Wait, brother Ben. Wait, hold on. If I'm not mistaken, was it round two where we saw the body slam? Body slam. Or was it round three? I think that was round three. In round three, he got the body triangle, too. Whew. Round that body slam was vicious, to, though, bro. The round three definitely goes to Bryce Mitchell. And his grappling, really, that's where you really see. In, in round three, you really see what differentiates his grappling from, let's say, another regular grappler in any division. You know, like the yeah. way he was able to, I thought he was going to roll off the back. And get nah. he was going to be on bottom position, but the way he was able to secure that uh, body triangle, even Bisping already called it. Like he, uh, 
before he lost the position, he was like, oh, he's losing the position. And he somehow managed to keep the triangle from falling off. It was very weird. And then he managed to hold the triangle. It's very impressive. And Bryce Mitchell has these moments with his jiu-jitsu where he's just on another level. Like, things that you would see happen to other fighters don't happen. He also uh, went Kamoro. You saw him. You saw the strategic plays behind his head. Like, you saw his mind working yeah. and his body working at the same time. Yeah, he really knows what to do down there. And um, I think the body that... triangle was nasty because Dan, yo, shout out Dan Ige because he was trying to trying to get out of all these mm-hmm. all these positions. I think he was getting choked out too at some point, and he was just holding back. Yeah, you know it takes a different strength to really just withhold a choke for that long—thirty seconds, a minute. You know, it's mm-hmm. you got your willpower has to be there. But like you've been saying, you've seen a Bryce Mitchell be kind of off. That's yeah. been a couple fights now, and I think it's just with the level of competition now. He you really so? needs to. He really needs to get his striking manageable, like just to a certain like it's below. It's below average right now. Um, I, I could agree with that. The way he mixes it up is really bad. And w- what I saw though, um, I know he has sneaky power, bro. He really does because he did drop uh, Edson Barbosa with a strike yeah he has that weird hillbilly farmer strength you know and he could use it in his striking not just his grappling uh i think that he what would really help him is training with aljo Mm. because with that i would i noticed he does this a lot he does like uh that sidekick to the legs yeah he does do that bro that's like aljo's like that funky style and aljo's also a wrestler that's managed to create his striking around his wrestling game, you know? I think they would work very well together and they would help each other because Aljo wants to move up to featherweight possibly, right? Yeah. Um, so it wouldn't really be competition to work with with uh, with Bryce Mitchell because Bryce Mitchell isn't all the way up there yet. And then you could really get, see if you could hold somebody down at featherweight by training with him. I think that that's a great... Uh idea that you just said i didn't even think about those two being a possibility yeah and aljo can really teach him how to mix in like those kicks and stuff to keep somebody at bay and close the distance and get in like mix it up make it a funky style because at this point i don't think bryce mitchell is going to revolutionize his game and become like a beautiful striker now no just he has a unique skill set yeah and i think aljo i think those guys at at, um longo sarah they really they don't care about making everything look pretty. They care about getting your strengths and just improving your weaknesses just enough to make that strength become like, they don't care how they win as long as they win. Yeah. And with Bryce Mitchell's style, that's just how the way he's going to have to go. It's not going to be always pretty. And, but his striking definitely needs to get better. I agree. Totally. Bryce, you know, please get some boxing coaches in some strikers, even just train with some uh, UFC strikers. Or even, I'm going to say, I'm going to tag Bryce Mitchell in this and Aljo. I think that's a great strategic move for both fighters. Huh? Um, let's see if their coaches and camps would agree. But now to the main event fight. This one had me tight, bro. Mm. No, well, it had me excited. Okay. <laughs> I, I see why. Um, but yeah, you know, I thought this was honestly going to be a no contest. I didn't know that they were just really going to give. Uh, game rock the win that's how it goes though but you know i would understand if 
like for example, right? The foot that got injured was his standing, the foot he used all his weight on for the kick. Yeah, it was the opposite one, yeah. You feel me? I understand if, you know, it was the kicking foot that got affected, then game round one, no doubt about it. But I just find it to be kind of weird that, you know, it's himself that injured himself. I think there's just, I don't think that's the most important part. I think just the, I think the reason they called it a TKO for a Gamrot was the strikes when Fiziev was on the ground. Okay. Like the same way, uh, what's his name? Uh, Cheeto Vera has a win over uh, Sean O'Malley. Oh, and yeah, it's a TKO yeah, yeah. too. Facts. It's just because he was on the ground. He didn't put him out. It's just the, the ref ended the fight early because there was nothing they could do type shit you know yeah i see now i understand now but still i i think rematch definitely well nah i mean no, no, no i would like rematch to see, definitely i think that they could do a rematch i think that would be fine but though gamrot's moving up like he, he now he's in the top five so he's not gonna wait for for fiziev to heal up and then fight him you know what I'm oh yeah, yeah i'm not i don't want i also don't want gamrot to wait i want him to take his run yeah, I would like a rematch though. At some point, I don't mind seeing him square back up again. You know. Yeah. Uh, round That's one, basically. round go getting into the fight. Round one was, um, I definitely gave it to Fiziev. Okay. But it was a lot closer than people are like acting. Like it, it was a clear round one for Fiziev just off, um, Gamera only getting that really late takedown. I don't even think it counted. Um, I think yeah, 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 no, nah, yeah. Fine. He didn't establish control, so I don't think it, it counted. But Fiziev, I mean, uh, Gamma was landing strikes in there, too. Yeah, I, that's what I was proud to see. Like, he was still yeah. fighting back. He was landing a couple of those rights in there. But Fiziev had the more flashy combos, and they landed to the body. And, and he didn't, managed to stay up through a couple attempts, too. Didn't he do a lean back? Yeah, he did. Yeah, shout out the lean back. Honestly, oh. uh, Gamera, I don't think he should be throwing high kicks like that anyways, against a, especially against the fucking uh, Tiger Muay Thai coach. But, uh, yeah, he, he did that lean back. And then round two, you know, it wasn't long enough for anybody to really make assumptions on who was going to win that yet. Yeah. But as Gamera said in the end, like, his game plan was uh, the first was that the first two rounds would be slow anyways. He wanted to test out the striking, get... Uh, Fiziev comfortable. So, um, I guess we'll never know until we get a rematch. Yeah, you know, it was it was cool seeing that first round, though. It was an exciting first round. Mm -hmm. I would say that. Um, but, yeah, man, I, I thought they said uh, during the tape that he had uh, popped his knee out. Yeah, it was the knee. Yeah. You could see it, too. Yeah, you saw it sticking out. You know, knee injuries are hard, man. Especially with all the tendons right next to it. So hopefully everything is okay for Fiziev. Uh I I just like preferably I like seeing him fight, man. He's exciting, dynamic. Yeah, he's super fun. Um, you know, his striking is just god tier at some point. So like let's just see what's going on. Uh Gamrot, you know, his grappling was solid though, I'm not gonna lie. His ground game was was still solid when he got to the ground. Yeah, I was gonna stick with my pick, bro. I, honestly, I I still think that towards the end of the fight he would have found a way to win. Um, but Fiziev, it's real sad to see him go uh, in this way, and I'm really hoping he come back quick because he is like a real fun spark plug in this division, 
and Gamrot, he's going to just see how far he could run it up. Unfortunate way for it to end, honestly. You know, with all biases aside, it's real sad that it happened this way. Yeah, man. But, like, who do you think is on Gamrot's – like, who do you think Dana's going to throw at him now? Well, he's asking for Charles Oliveira after the – Oh, title. yeah. No, um, I think he might need one more match to, to get to Oliveira. You think he'll go straight? I think let me look at the top five right now, actually. All right. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go to yo fans. Let's do the play by play. I point USPN and EFC. Um let's see, let's see. Is that the lightweight division? Mm-hmm. Lightweight, okay. Um oh yeah, I got a good one here. Okay, so what we could do, honestly, um, Michael Chandler is apparently is fighting Connor, right? So that's off the table. Um, but Neil Dariush is number four in the world, even though he got knocked out by Charles Oliveira. Oh yeah, he we got could maybe peace. make that a uh, but Neil Dariush versus uh, Gamrot fucking rematch would be interesting. That would be an interesting fight now. But I think if he wants to be smart, he would just try and avoid that, right? Um, I mean, Gamrot. we got Dustin Poirier and Justin Gagey at two and three. Yeah, Dustin Poirier would be interesting, but Dustin Poirier and Gamrot train together. They're both at ATT. Oh, really? So I think Gagey-Gamrot could be interesting because seeing how Gamrot technically won against the guy that Gagey beat, maybe them fight for the number one contender. Uh, or or possibly the rematch with Benil, but otherwise I don't really see it. He's calling for Charles. I don't think he's gonna get it. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna get it for. That's what I said. I think he needs at least one more other fight before getting to Oliveira. And I'm just saying that I need to see more more standout play. And I think Justin Gagey, like that fight, is gonna be a lot on how is he handling the striking. You feel me? Mm-hmm. That would be good. I honestly, I would like that fight the most. Him against Justin Gaethje, um, and then whoever goes get that title fight. Yeah, because Oliveira, whoever wins Islam versus Charles, um, the loser isn't gonna want to fight right away. I I would assume. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Justin Gaethje might be the one. On that Oliveira card, I know it's still a couple months away, but. It was looking exciting. The John Jones card too versus Stipe. It's not even a couple months, bro. It's coming up. So I think it's the twenty first of October. Oh yeah, that's gonna be fire, bro. I'm really excited for the um, Islam, uh, Charles fight. What I heard was the Charles fight is gonna start at like two a.m. I don't give a fuck what time it starts. I don't care if it was four a.m. I don't care if it was. <laughs> I'm watching that. Yeah, man, it's gonna be explosive. Yeah. All right, so guys, this was the episode of the Combat Corner on the Hot Box Heroes. You know, again, you got myself and my boy Bruno. And anything you want to tell to the fans? I mean, we got a we got a you know empty week a weekend ahead of us here. No UFC fights. Um, maybe this Thursday we'll drop something, something a little more fun. You know. Yeah, something something more catered to y'all fans, give you some 
feedback on some great fights that we think are in history and all that. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. Maybe some rankings. I don't know. If y'all want to give us oh, yeah, suggestions, go ahead and drop them in the email. Email hotbox00 at gmail.com. Yeah, and we'll see what we can do this Thursday. And, uh, yeah, we'll give you the picks next week. For And remember, all our picks have been hitting. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I wanted to mention that, bro. We're eight and three, bro. We're eight. I'm, I'm back. I'm back in winning ways. After that horrible fucking UFC Noche fight, um, yeah, we're back in winning ways. And if it wasn't for this Malcoon fucking idiot, uh, <laughs> dropping a fucking elbow to the back of the head, and Tamir's Vidal being a complete fucking pussy, we would have been fucking ten and one. So, um, we're back in winning ways. And uh, yeah, man. One, right, of so, One of these days, I'm going to yeah. go perfect. Guarantee it. Oh, yeah, for sure. In the future, we're about to go crazy. Tune in, especially with my picks, if you really want that spicy add-on to your bets with submissions and KOs. You know your boy is good for it. Um, but, yeah, job bless. Be great. And tune in for the next one.